think that so many of us, when we start a show, the first thing we do is look at the biggest shows we can find, maybe even our category if we're like really, really savvy, right? We're going to see what they're doing to mimic that. But the problem is if you look at these podcasts that maybe have a staff of five, 10 people at this point, or they've been at it for years, they've continuously perfected little pieces of their craft and added more things as time goes on. So what we're doing is we're comparing our day one to their year 20 and saying, I've got to do all those things that they're doing now in order to succeed when I'm getting started. And the truth is, if you do that, you're going to spread yourself so thin that I don't believe your podcast can actually succeed. Welcome to another episode of Listeners to Leads, where I'm helping podcasters launch and maintain a lead generating show. I'm your host, Alicia Galati, the CEO and head podcast strategist behind Galati Media, a full service podcast management company. On this show, you'll hear my guests and I discuss everything it takes to launch a successful podcast and keep it running. If you're ready to get leads, land speaking gigs, and create deeper connections with your audience through your podcast, then this is the show for you. This week on the podcast, we have Alex Sanfilippo, who is a fantastic and like OG podcaster. He has created a few amazing, amazing and incredible resources for podcasters who are either looking for guests or trying to get all of their processes and workflows in order. He is the brain behind Podmatch and Podcast SOP. He's also going to be giving us some really out-of-the-box marketing ideas for your podcast to add value but also get new listeners. I am so excited. Help me in welcoming Alex to the show today. Hello, Alex. Thank you so much for being on the show. I am so, so, I want to use the word jazz. Do people even say jazz anymore? I don't you know. You can bring it back, Alicia. You can bring it back. I'm going to bring and, it back. I'm honored to be here, by the way. Really excited. I'm also jazzed to be here. <laughs> awesome. So if you could just tell us who you are, what you do, a little bit of your story, your background, some of the stuff, exciting things that you have, and then also a little bit about your podcast. Sure thing. I'll keep it real brief here. So I, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, still live here. Any chance I get, I'm going to the beach, hanging out, playing soccer, working out. Those are things I thoroughly enjoy doing. And that's because I work on a computer all the time. I'm a full-time podcaster myself. It's a lot of fun, but you do spend a lot of time indoors on computers. So my thing was trying to get away from that. But going back to what I do professionally. So again, in my personal life, I'm outside a lot. Professionally, though, I'm behind a computer. I'm jumping on podcast. I have my own show, which is called Creating a Brand. Additionally, when I got into podcasting, I got an opportunity to launch some of my own companies, which I've done the last year and a half. So Podmatch, which we'll probably get into, which is basically think of like Tinder, but for podcast guests and hosts to meet. And then Podcast SOP, which is one that really helps podcasters stay on track with their episode releases so they're not stressed or getting released late. And that's really what I'm focused on full-time. I love the podcasting industry. If I was to share my why behind doing all this, I love elevating that independent voice that I just feel has really been put down in today's world. I don't mean to be negative by saying that. There's just not a lot of outlets for us that really work and get a lot of exposure. But podcasting, I believe, is leading the way in that. So I want to help elevate those independent voices with what I do. That's so true. Recently, I was talking to someone and I've been working a lot with nonprofits lately in our company. And they were talking about how they want to reach like C-suite level people with their podcast. And I said, if you had tried to do that five years ago with a podcast, it wouldn't have worked. Right. Because that level, they weren't listening to podcasts as much, maybe for like random stuff or like entertainment, but not to take in information. But now it is shifting and it's changing. I get excited about it because I like to geek out about podcasts, which I'm sure you do too. But one thing I love about 
you creating podcast SOP. And I want to talk about that one first, because as most of you listeners know, my background's in manufacturing. So I'm also an Enneagram one. And so there's like has to be systems. (laughs) There has to be order to things. Otherwise, it's chaos. And I don't like chaos at all. So I'm always talking about like use some type of project management tool, use something to manage your podcast. And you said something in the introductory video of podcast SOP that I am constantly harping on as well. And that's that 90% of podcasters don't usually make it past that first year. And most of the podcasters don't even make it past seven episodes, which is, uh, it's so sad to me and it makes me so like frustrated, but a system like podcast SOP, and if you could just run through what that is, I think it'll be very beneficial for ensuring that people get past that seven episodes, but also past that first year. So if you could just tell us what is podcast SOP? Yeah, sure thing. First of all, I want to mention you have that background in manufacturing. I come from the aerospace industry, so I worked really close with a bunch of aerospace engineers. So like the idea of loving an SOP is is great. I will say this, the people that I find that it's really for are the people who don't understand what the letters SOP stand for. So I'm going to go ahead and start with that, Alicia, if that's okay. SOP stands for Standard Operating Procedures which simply means you have a system in place for the actions that you take. Uh, The whole thing really stemmed from me doing a lot of research in podcasting as to why these people were stopping. So I pulled about a thousand different podcasters just to find out why. Now, obviously, monetization is a big one. People wanted to make money with it. They weren't necessarily. So that's an easy reason to stop. But alongside that, it wasn't that they weren't just not making money. It's that they were stressed about not making money, right? Like they weren't making money and it was a stressful thing. So why on earth am I doing this? Which makes perfect sense, but we've got to take the stress out of it. And so many people in podcasting, when I talked to them, they were like, oh, I just remember all the things I need to do. And I'm like, ooh, that's dangerous. You know, I think back to David Allen, who was a big time productivity guy. And he said, your head is for having ideas, not for storing them. And he also said mm-hmm. that your head is a crappy office. Like, that's just not what it's, it, was, it was designed for, right? It's for having ideas, not yeah. for storing them. And so I, my, my whole idea with this is, can we make it really simple for people to have a way to manage their podcast? And initially, I just started telling people, hey, go use Asana, try Monday.com, try Trello, all these project management systems, which isn't bad advice, especially if someone has experience with those. It's actually probably a really good solution. But what I found is people who are new to podcasting, and I've never used project management system, I just gave them something that does 20,000 different things, right? I mean, we've all <laughs> used those programs. A lot of us have. And the, when you first log in, it's overwhelming. So if a podcaster is already feeling overwhelmed because they're new in this and they realize how much goes into podcasting, and now they're even more overwhelmed because there's 20,000 things they have to learn, that's just too much. Podcast SOP, Podcast Standard Operating Procedures, is designed to help podcasters do exactly what they want to do, which is release a podcast episode and to do so on time. And it works just creating like a, a checklist that they can assign different team members to if they have them. If not, if it's just them, that's fine. They can comment even just to themselves and I'll tell them what dates they need to do things, what times, just by pressing a button when they hit add new episode, but they create that SOP for themselves. So it works really well for them. The idea was, can we just make this as simple and seamless as possible for people? That way they can stay, stay on time with their episode releases and hopefully alleviate some of the stress that comes with it. Yeah, 100%. And for anyone who's like, okay, but where do I start with a workflow? We do have an episode that was released that is all about creating your podcast workflow. I have a checklist as well that you can download for free. So make sure that you go there, grab that, and that'll at least give you a starting point. Also on Podcast SOP, Alex has several templates that you can use from some pretty big name podcasts that you can pull what they're using. There are explanations to each of the tasks. It makes it so simple and so easy to do, which I absolutely love. Anything that's going to make things easier is like, yes, let's do more of that 100%. 
So moving on to Podmatch, I agree. It is the Tinder of matchmaking between hosts <laughs> and guests. I love it so much. I find that a lot of times it can be very overwhelming as a podcast host. You know, you want to get really good, high quality guests. You want to find people that are going to bring value to your audience. And it's like, okay, well, where in the world do I find these people? How do I find them? How do I do like a background check on them without doing a legitimate background check? (laughs) And Podmatch does that for you. So if you could just tell us, a little bit about Podmatch. I did mention it in the episode where I talked about how to find quality guests. We'll make sure that we link that in the show notes. But if you could just give us the rundown. Yeah, sure. So first off, the idea of this came from a place of need for myself, right? Like it started there and I validated the issue that other people were having it. Like it wasn't just me, but I, I was just struggling finding guests. I mean, I would reach out to 100 or 200 people on LinkedIn and maybe get one response. And that response was usually, no, leave me alone, right? And the other 99 <laughs> wouldn't even respond. So I was like, man, there's got to be a different way to do this. And like, eventually your show grows to the point where maybe you can, I say maybe, but you can find guests on your own at some point. You wouldn't necessarily need it. I personally still use it because it just simplifies the process. But the idea was, can we actually have people on a platform that we know already want to be guests? So even if they're not a good fit, instead of reaching out to 100 people and getting one response, maybe it's 10 and you get one response, right? Like something more like that would just work a lot better. Additionally, Alicia, as you know, like if you're going to book a guest, then there's the, the stuff that your listeners maybe don't think about. Or I guess these, these are a lot of podcasts, though, so they all think about it. They, they know it's a labor of love because now you got to find a bio, you got to find links, mm-hmm. you got to find their social media, you got to find their pictures, like all these different things, right? So our idea was, can we have guests design their own one sheet so that a host doesn't need to ask for any of that? They just have it all. Like there might be some things you need to fill in the gap if you do something like uh, specific with your podcast or more focused, fine. But in general, we want you to be able to like, I've got six pictures to choose from. I've got the buy, I've got the links. I'm good. I don't need to ask questions back and forth. The whole idea of this thing was, can we match the right guests and hosts together and then give them all that information so they don't have to go digging around for all that as a result, simplifying the entire process of booking a guest. And as you can tell, Alicia, everything I'm doing is basically making it easier for the podcast host to stay in the game. And like I said, I want to get those independent voices out there. So the easier we can make that, the better. And that's been the whole idea with Podmatch and Podcast SOP. Yes. And that's how we connected and you pitched to be on my show. And I was like, um, yes. (laughs) Thank you, by the way. I appreciate that. Yes, Absolutely. I was telling you before we hit record that I had met the guys who had started Pod It when I went to She Podcast Live back in 2019. And I was a newer podcaster, but absolutely loved their dad vibe, loved their <laughs> like love for podcasting and just the energy that they brought to it. So I signed up and I was in there. My podcast was different at that time. It was all about e-commerce and supply chain and things like that. So more on the manufacturing side. Uh, that was my OG podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the first try. Yeah, so you bought them. And when I saw that they were going over to you, I was like, okay, I trust these guys that if they're going to sell their company and sell this platform and move their users over there, it's going to be to someone who has integrity and is, you know, same vibe, which I'm like, that's important, right? Minus the dad vibe. I'm not a dad, so I, I don't no, know. Hopefully, I'm not giving too much of a dad vibe. Um, <laughs> I haven't told any dad jokes yet. I, I don't even know if I know any good ones, but I will try for you. Um, but the, the thing you mentioned I want to I hone in on real quick is, is the integrity. Brent 
phenomenal guy. Like I've had respect for him since day one when I got to meet him years ago. And uh, he approached me because he just wanted to spend more time with his family. Like he, he really respected the fact, like, I, and I respect the fact that he notices kids were getting at that age that he's not going to be as close to them type of thing. Like kids move on, they move out, right? And uh, he just wanted to really hone in that time. And he told me, he used the word integrity. He said that you're somebody that I know who has integrity in the space and I'm not selling it unless it's to somebody like you. And honestly, like we, we had a couple phone conversations and it was just like we could just tell it was a great fit. So I appreciate you saying that. Uh, Brent is a legend in podcasting, always will be. And it's an honor just to kind of carry that on. And we brought it all under the pod match umbrella, but it's it's been seamless. It was so smooth and worked really well for so many people. Yeah, agreed. And I was one of those. So I love it. Love to hear <laughs> Perfect. It. Okay. Can we just talk about pitching for a second? Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. man, there are so many horror stories. So many good stories too, but... I want to know if you have a horror story of a pitch that you've received that was just like sticks out in your brain of like, don't ever do this. Yeah. I mean, we, so every podcasters had like the booking agents come out to them, right? My worst one was from a like boutique booking agent. I think he only had one or two clients. He tried to make it really personal, which I guess I kind of appreciate, but it's also it seems a little sleazy sometimes, right? First off, it was too long. I mean, it was a book. But the first paragraph was about one of the episodes I had that really spoke to him, and he gave me reasons why. But in it, he said, he said, I really enjoyed the episode you had with Fred Durst. And I was like, okay, like, I guess he's a, he's a famous guy. Like, I actually didn't know who he was. So like, I looked him up. I'm like, all right, this is a famous guy. I'm like, he wasn't in my podcast. I wonder if he's mistaken. And he gave me like the things he liked from it. I went back to my podcast. I'm like, did I have anyone named Fred? I had Fred Dust on my podcast. So not only did he get the name wrong, but he made up a whole story about how it spoke to him and how it helped him out. Really great. And then the person he pitched was like a dentist or something like that. And I'm like, I, my podcast is for early entrepreneurs, like people who started a business, like not somebody who's been, has their practice for 20 years. Like it was just a bad pitch, right? That's probably like the one that stands out in my mind. Alicia, but I got one other one that I thought was really funny. You get the person who sends a video, which is really personal, but it's straight up like as prideful and arrogant as it can get and the guy starts off he's like alex let me tell you why you need to have me on your effing podcast and then just goes into like a three-minute rant about how like i made this i did this basically if you know god you probably know me type of thing like right goes off on i got halfway through i shut it off i'm like i'm not even responding to that like what the heck like what are you going to share that my listeners are going to learn from anyway so egotistical and uh lying are two things i don't really appreciate when you're pitching <laughs> yeah one of the things that i always harp on is follow directions. So on my website, if you go there, obviously I have my pod match. So if someone finds me there, that's completely different. But if someone is like, hey, I found your podcast and they send me an email, it's clear on my website. You want to be a guest? Great. Here's where to fill out the form. And on my form, I have all those things. Like you said, put your bio, put what are you going to talk about? Make sure that you put a picture because I'm not going to hunt you down for a picture. Right. These are all required. And you will have to, by the way. So <laughs> Yes. But that is the gatekeeper for me. So when people pitch, they have to do that first. And then I decide they kind of go in. I use ClickUp as my project management tool. Yeah. They go in a, a task under there. And then I decide, hey, I want them on the show. Then my executive assistant goes in, sends them my link for the calendar. Hey, Alicia wants to talk to you about X, Y, Z. So it's like very streamlined because it needs to be. Yeah. But yeah, the ones where they don't follow instructions and it's like, it takes like two seconds sometimes to just look. Exactly. You know, I had somebody do something similar to that. What they did is they put their email address on their website, but right above it, the just one sentence. And the one sentence said, 
make sure you make the subject this exactly or I delete it and don't even read it. And I was like, I wonder how many people miss that. I didn't ask, but I'm like, I bet a lot of people don't actually even read it. They just find the email address and send their pitch along. I'm like, but he had a very specific like subject line you needed or just gets deleted. I'm sure he probably had some automation there. So he probably never even saw those pitches. But uh, I think it's smart that you have that because as podcast hosts, we've got to be willing to streamline that because as your show grows and the longer it's been around, you'll, you could start getting five, 10 pitches a day. And like, I have a standard response to people like now, like one of my things I, I wrote, the, I use text expander, which just, you basically type in a code and it spits out a, a standard response. I have a standard response. And I'll tell you what, out of the I, probably 100 people who asked me about being on the show per week, only about one of them actually follows what I say to do. So I was able to filter out a lot of time by doing that. But it's so important all of us really understand that. I'm glad that you brought that up. So one of the things when you pitched to be on the show that you were like, I can talk about this. I think I could add value here was how podcasters need to find ways to be different with how they market their show. And I'm always, always looking for ways that people can do things a little different because one, I love repurposing content. So I feel like that's like a big one. Make sure you find ways to repurpose. There's an episode, I think like 14 ways to repurpose a podcast episode. So go check that out too. But I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah. So I think the first thing I want to do is just take the pressure off your listeners and fellow podcast hosts out there. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing. That's the first thing I say. You do not have to do what everyone else is doing. And I think that so many of us, when we start a show, the first thing we do is look at the biggest shows we can find, maybe even our category if we're like really, really savvy, right? We're going to see what they're doing to mimic that. But the problem is if you look at these podcasts that maybe have a staff of five, 10 people at this point, or they've been at it for years, they've continuously perfected little pieces of their craft and added more things as time goes on. So what we're doing is we're comparing our day one to their year 20 and saying, I've got to do all those things that they're doing now in order to succeed when I'm getting started. And the truth is, if you do that, you're going to spread yourself so thin that I don't believe your podcast can actually succeed. If you want to start a podcast, start a podcast. Don't start a podcast, a blog, a YouTube channel, a TikTok, a Twitter, an Instagram, right? Like don't do all those things. You've got to first Mm -hmm. off think, what is the main thing that I'm doing here? Yeah. I think about whenever I tell people you're not Joe Rogan, you don't have to be Joe Rogan. (laughs) Right. And please, we don't need another three-hour podcast, honestly. We really don't. <laughs> and Alicia, by the way, your time that you use per episode is very refreshing. Like I can listen to full episodes of your podcast when I'm doing like a single task, and I like that. So anyway, I'm a fan, as you can Thank tell. You. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to like the, the whole idea of like you don't have to follow everyone else. You need to follow your own path. There's also to think of yourself and your own personality. Here's the thing. I've got some people on my staff telling me they want me to do Instagram Reels, which they appear to get good traction. But when I think of my personality and what I like to do and what I would excel in, that's not one of the things. And so I had a meeting with them yesterday just saying, hey, you know what? Like, really? I don't think I'm going to do that. The, the thought of it is draining to me. Sure, it might bring a little bit of exposure, but like, I, I just don't think that that's me. I would not be authentic anymore of, of who I actually am if I jumped into that. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to do more on LinkedIn. And when we look at the analytics, 90% of our listeners that are new coming into the show, they are coming from LinkedIn. And so I was like, let's just dive in there because that's where like I'm comfortable with those people. I like to market there. So for me, it's a matter of how can I put my actual personality into what I'm doing instead of just conforming to the traditional success pattern, right? And so for many podcast hosts that are listening, they need to think about that for themselves. Like, okay, what is it that I'm good at? How can I show up and bring value with what I'm doing? Where is that? And also think about where's your audience? Because for some of us, our audience might not be on Instagram. It might not be on TikTok or Twitter, right? It might not be via email. You've got to figure out where your people are. Go there and do your best to be yourself. And I think that when you find creative ways to do that, you're really going to excel as a podcaster. 
I could not agree more. We have someone coming on the show and she is a empty nester coach. And so she helps people who are like at that empty nest phase and are looking to like just kind of figure out their lives at that point, I guess. Right, yeah. She's gotten so much traction on TikTok, which you wouldn't think like empty nesters would really be on TikTok, but she's doing a lot of the TikTok stuff and the college students are finding her and then referring their parents to listen to her show. So it's like, think outside the box, try things out, see if you like them. And, but also like know thyself, right? Like, you know, that for you, a reel is going to be very draining. So why would you want to keep doing that? Right. You wouldn't even want to try because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel in alignment and making sure that you know, okay, this is how I want to show up for my audience. And another thing that you do is, Like you are a full-time podcaster. You know that your particular audience is listening to podcasts and that's how they're going to find your stuff and your products and your podcasts. So you spend a lot of time. You have been on 200 shows, over 200 shows so far this year, which is like bananas, but awesome. (laughs) Right. How do you do that (laughs) first? Obviously, most of our listeners are not going to want to be on like 200 shows, but getting started whether that's on Podmatch or just reaching out to people, getting started with making sure that they are visible within their industry's podcast. Because I think that's another thing where people sometimes can get a little bit confused is they're like, oh, I'm going to pitch myself to all the shows. And that's that's not really strategic either. Yeah, I call that like the uh, the spray and pray method where you just reach out to everyone and hope someone will get back to you and hope something sticks. For me, I reach out to maybe... 10 podcasts a month or something like that. A lot of people come to me, which I'm really thankful for. But the ones I reach out to, like yours, are the ones I'm like, wow, this is absolutely ideal. But I take the time. I listened to two or three of your episodes before I even reached out just to make sure it's the right fit. I left your review on your show because that's important. Like I put time into it. It probably took me 30 minutes to just figure out what I was actually even going to say to you. And some people were like, oh my gosh, I'd rather send out a hundred of them and find out what happens. Here's the thing. This is an ideal show for me to be on. It's worth me spending the extra time to actually to do that and to lead with value at the end of the day like everything i do has to lead with value listen if i like your show i'm going to leave a review even if i just listen to it once right and i think that's really important to do like to lead with that value when you're pitching so less is more like but be specific when you're outreaching and like you said alicia find your category and reach out to people that are in that space because not all podcasts are created equal I mean, all podcasts are, I like to believe everyone has like their own niche. They're, they're good where they're at, but they need to make sure that, that you're not talking about a, a show that's like about puppies and you're trying to market like a, a sales training book. Maybe there's some sort of crossover I'm not catching in my mind, but in my head, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So yeah, but being on podcasts is great. And I'll tell you what, and Alicia's probably the same for you. When you have another podcast host on the podcast, it's immediately like relieving because you know they're going to show up. You know they're going to have gear. Like you're not like, hey, make sure you like put your dog outside. Like you don't have to say all those little things that when someone comes on the show who doesn't have that experience. So for me with my show, anytime someone's coming on, that's a podcast host. I'm like, Oh, this will be easy. Like they're going to show up and know what to do. So it's always helpful. So if you have a podcast, get on some other ones. It's a great way to network with other podcasters. And it's a great way to really bring the audience over to your show as well. Yeah. And even finding people who are maybe in the same space as you, I'd like to add that as well. Like I recently connected with someone and she was like, oh, your podcast is so valuable. It's so great. And I was like, hey, I have this thing that I'm this challenge that, you know, I think would be great for you. And she was like, well, I'm in the podcasting space, too. But, you know, I'd love to collaborate with you potentially and see what we could do. We hop on a call, find that our businesses are very different. And like she's not really in the same spaces that I am. 
And I was like, okay, we need to talk. Like, I need you to be on my show. Like, right, I think yeah. this would be great. So, like, even people who you think might be, you know, I don't like to use the word competition, but, you know, in business. Co- direct co- co-collaborators, though, I'd to call it. You know, we're, we're, yes. we're out there making things happen together. Co-educators. <laughs> exactly. the same, what's, what's available to them. Yeah, there, there's a lot of good yes. ways to look at that. Yes. Is there anything else that you want to mention that we didn't talk about? Yeah, there, there's one more idea that I actually love to mention, Alicia, that, that I think really helps people get the, the mindset of how to market their show in the way that they like to. I'm actually stealing this line from Mike Michalowicz. He has a book called Get Different, and it's about getting different with your marketing. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, I read it. It helped me a lot. And that's what I'm going to say to you is to get different with the way you market. So for me, mm-hmm. I like to read a lot of books. Uh, Alicia, I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot here. Alicia read 250 more books than I did this year, and I read 50. So everyone can do the math there. So I read 50 (laughs) books. She did a lot more than that. But anyway, for me, that's a lot of books. But I like to read, and I like to take it a step further. When I'm done reading a book, I've always loved to leave a review. As you can tell, I like to leave podcast reviews, leaving book reviews. Like I enjoy doing that because I feel that I can actually bring some value to people who might be thinking about it. So a way that I started marketing my show is actually most of the people I read who I bring on my show, I read their book beforehand. So what I started doing is after the episode's live, I would actually go on Amazon and leave a video review testimonial for the book. And during that, I'd say, and by the way, if you're interested in, in figuring out more about this author, check them out at creatingabrand.com slash 140. I interviewed them. I think it'll literally really solidify that you want to get the book or something along those lines. And I found my podcast grew by like 20% when I started doing that because no, I, I mean, I've not seen anyone else doing anything like that. But again, I didn't just find some like little hack. I was just doing what I already like to do and leveraging it in a way that it adds value and helps my podcast grow. So sure, try the Amazon thing if that maybe works for you and you'd like to do that. But if not, you might be like, no, I hate doing that. But I love writing personal notes to people that have been my show. Find a way to leverage that in a way that grows your audience as well. And I'm telling you, like that type of thing is the best type of marketing you can do because it's different than anybody else. And it's something that you're not going to get burnt out doing because you love it. Oh, that is so good. I'm like, all right, everybody just go do that. Right? It, it works pretty good. I mean, I just, I'm actually writing a blog post about it because it sticks out. I mean, listeners won't be able to see this, but I have like a blue background that kind of stands out. The other day I was scrolling through Amazon in a book that I had already read. I don't know how I ended up on that page, but I scrolled down and one of the main uh, things was like my testimonial video, but everything's all white on Amazon. Then you see this blue background with this guy yelling in the camera, right? I was like, man, that is really like easy for someone to click on. Like it, it is standing out. So it's a cool idea. Anyone feel free to take that one. Let's, let's, let's saturate the area, but also adds a lot of value to authors. I mean, those video testimonials help a lot. I'm all for more people doing it. Yes. First of all, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing such great value. I think everyone could definitely take things from this. Guys, go check out PodMatch. Go check out Podcast SLP. And then where can they find your podcast and connect with you personally, let you know that they love this episode? Yeah, sure. Thank you again. This has been an honor. I really appreciate it. Everything else I do is at creatingabrand.com. That's the name of my show. You can find all my personal social media links there. That's creatingabrand.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Alex, for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Listeners to Leads. If you found something in this episode valuable, I would really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend who you know would also get value from it. Want to send me a message? My favorite place to hang out is Instagram. You can find me at alicia.lottie. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was from the episode. And don't forget... 
turning those listeners into leads is actually easy. 